Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. We're continuing on in our sort of mini-series around the word listen. Um, we introduced this last week, talking about the idea about living in a, a noisy age. Um, many voices all seeking to be heard. All the opinions at the touch of a button. I'm sure you're like me. You're getting all the notices. WhatsApps, Facebook messages um, of all the opinions. And of course, we know that this is a, an age in which we actually need to tune our ear to the voice of God and to the um, promptings of the Holy Spirit. We talked last week about that verse in Psalm 116, that if God inclines his ear towards us, then why why would we ever not listen to him? Actually, God gives us his attention, so it's time for us to give him our attention. And so um, we've seen um, last week, not to recap too much, the whole idea of this idea that, that um, seven times over in the book of Revelation, Jesus um, says these words, he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit has said to the church. And then four other times in the New Testament, he says, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Um, so the story of Revelation is a very powerful story. We saw last week that it was a revelation of Jesus Christ. So it's a book about the future, but it's a book about the present. It was lovely. Got a couple of texts and talking to a couple of people on Wednesday night at the prayer meeting who went home last Sunday and read the book of Revelation. Somebody told me they couldn't do it in 45 minutes, but that's okay. You do it at your own speed. And we know from the story of John's life that he lived and traveled with Jesus for three years while Jesus, is minister, while Jesus ministered on earth. We, he watched Jesus raise the dead and heal the sick. He watched Jesus proclaim the kingdom of God. He was there when Jesus died. He was there when Jesus was buried. He was there when Jesus rose again. He was there when Jesus ascended after 40 days. So he knew Jesus and he became a powerful leader in early Christianity. He outlived all the apostles by many, many years, decades even. He watched all of the other apostles brutally die in some kind of bloody martyr death. Um, they repeatedly tried to kill John, just never seemed to succeed. They actually boiled him in a vat of oil. So you can imagine what his skin probably looked like. Uh, or his appearance, and eventually they exile him as an old man onto the island of Patmos, which is about a three or four hour boat journey out from the mainland. It's 13 square miles. It was a place where they would put criminals and dissidents, and they would exile them out. And tradition has it that John lived in a cave at the top of a hill. History and tradition and legend tells us that it was in that cave that Jesus came and confronted John and John bent his ear to listen to this incredible book that we have called um, Revelation. 
And he writes to seven churches. He calls the churches lampstands. He writes seven churches, or he calls them seven stars, and um, they're lights, all right? And so the idea of these lights, I was going to try seven of these, but I thought they would maybe put the cameras mad. And the, the light is the expression, so the light is the church, the light is the people. Um, and uh, we'll see that as we go through the journey, as we look at this. And we read in Acts 19 that Ephesus was was where the good news of the gospel rang out to all of Asia Minor. It was that premier city of Asia Minor that sort of became the hub church. It was the the place that actually affected all the other six churches that um, we're going to read about in a moment or two. We're told in Acts 19.9 that Paul actually sat up in the hall of Tyrannus and he taught for over two years, two or three hours every day. If you calculate it, you'll probably get my calculation in around 3,000 hours of, of investment into this church. So it became the epicenter of Christianity and particularly after the fall of the temple in Jerusalem, this place became the Christianity in, in large moved to Ephesus. And so it was a a magnificent city. And uh, it was here that Paul left Paul, uh, Priscilla and Aquila in charge, and then later on sent Timothy to pastor this church. So let's read um, the first seven verses um, in Revelation um, chapter 2. Do we read a little bit about this church, all right? Um, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words, this is the words of Jesus now to John. He says, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars. So he's talking about this lampstand idea. He says, and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Do you see that? That's really important to note that. So this idea is that, remember last year we talked, or last week we talked about Samuel, how Jesus come and stood and called him like other times. You haven't the idea that this is a, the God of heaven booming in a large, loud voice from eternal quarters. He's in the presence. And so it tells us that Jesus is walking amongst the churches. He's walking amongst them. So the idea is that the light is the people that expresses they're held by God. It says that, held by the hand of God. And Jesus walks amongst the, the lampstands, all right? So he's walking around and he's telling them, I'm in control. I know what you're doing. It's not judgment, it's interest, it's investment. It's not a God of judgment, it's a God of Father that looks upon his churches with love. And then he goes on to say this, he says, I know your deeds. Now, if you're like me, and somebody said, I know what you were doing, you, automatically we think negative, don't we? We think, oh, what did they see me doing? Where did they see me at? What did, how, what, did it get caught? All right, but he's, it's not that. He's, 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 he's saying, there's no messing with you guys. He says, I know your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you don't tolerate wicked people, but you've tested those who claim to be apostles and are not. You've found them false and you've persevered. You've endured hardships for my name and you've not grown weary. Um, he's saying, you, you, you guys know how to handle idolatry. He's saying, you, you're not afraid to test the prophets and test the prophecies. You're not, a, you're, you're, not a, you're not afraid to deal with falseness. You're not afraid to call it up and kick it out. That's what he's saying. He's, he's, he, and you can imagine at this moment the chest going out. You can imagine the people who are getting this commendation right now at this moment thinking, this is pretty cool. They'll be writing hashtag, we are a cool church. 
You know, this is the moment, this is it. Uh, but you ever been in a room where the tone changed like that? The, the just automatically, the, it went from hot to cold in, 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 in one second. Well, that's about to happen. And he says this, he says, This yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. All right, the authorized says you're, you've left your first love. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And then he finishes off with this. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. And to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. Now, at the time John penned these words to the church at Ephesus, they were busy, busy church. They were working hard. They were a big church. And um, my struggle with this passage over the years has been this, that you can think you're doing it all right and get it all wrong because you're doing it for the wrong motive. That's always been my struggle with this passage. This church had programs, it's spiritual standards. They were a busy church with great statistics, and the work had been difficult. They hadn't fainted. They hadn't fallen back from putting their hand to the plow. The problem is, the problem is they had smashed their to-do list, and they'd forgot about their to-be list. They'd totally wiped out their to-do list, but they'd forgot about their to-be list. He's saying, you missed the love. I checked out a long time ago, and you didn't even know it had left. Jesus is walking amongst the churches, and he said to the church, I don't see the fire and the passion. Remember last week we talked about the fire and the passion and the flames in Jesus' eyes. He said, I, I, I used to see that reflected in your eyes for me, but I don't see that anymore. I just see you as a busy people. You've lost the fire and the flame and the passion of love that you had for me and for the people. It wasn't just the love for Jesus that they'd lost. They'd lost the love for each other. They'd lost the love for the people they were serving. It had become dutiful. And so he said, I see task oriented. I see a transactional style of worship. I just don't feel the intimacy anymore. I see that the worship is all about the transactional idea of what you're doing and what you're going to get. But he said, I don't actually feel the intimacy and the love and the passion in it anymore. In the 80s, back in the 80s when I was young, I, I got an invite as a, an up-and-coming young businessman to Hillsborough Castle to meet one of the royals. We didn't know who it was going to be, but um, I was selected with a group of other businessmen to meet this royal. And I was sent the dress code and a list of do's and don'ts. So uh, uh, for the occasion, like, no, you weren't allowed to ask for an autograph. You weren't allowed to take photos. Didn't have a mobile phone, but you weren't allowed to bring a camera. That was what they said. No personal chats. You weren't allowed to talk to them unless they initiated it. And so I, I went, best dress, and got my suit and tie and all on, and I went to this uh, meeting. And, and I, I went into this room. There was about 50, maybe 70 max people from across the business sector in absolute silence. And we were waiting for the appearance. We were wondering, who's it going to be? Could it be the queen? Uh, could it be Princess Diana back then? Who would it be? But there was, this was certainly a room fit for a queen. It was a beautiful, beautiful room. And um, I'm a 
country boy from the lock, and so I'm looking around at the splendor of this room, fit for a king, fit for a queen, and um, there was such a hush. Everybody was in a hush. And um, um, then into the room came Princess Anne. I wasn't disappointed at all. And uh, the silence turned to a buzz. And there was a few speeches and, and then a few hellos. And she went around and she spoke to everybody. And then the food was released. And uh, it was like a finger buffet. And, and so I soon sought out a couple of people that I knew. And the buzz started. And, and we started to eat our sandwiches and our little mushrooms, yuckies, and all of those. It was lovely. And we, we were just having a ball. And, and the buzz started. And everybody started talking. And it was just good. And... and, and, and you know, I, I, just like everybody else, soon forgot about Princess Anne. As a matter of fact, um, I, I forgot about her so much that by the time I remembered her, I looked up and she was gone. She was away. And, um, and she was the reason I'd come. She was the reason I got invited. The whole hush for her to come was there. But the buzz of the room soon overtook that. And we actually didn't even realize when she left. And uh, when the day started for me, it was all about the royal. But then I just got sidetracked and I lost focus with the mushroom patties. And um, as you do. And the big criticism here to the church's Ephesus is you're, you're just not very loving. He's commending them for hating wolves. Now he's criticizing them for not loving sheep and for not loving the shepherd. And uh, uh, he's warning these people. And, and in a day of warning where we fight over masks or no mask or the government right or wrong and what they're doing and their handling of the coronavirus. Should we be doing this ministry? Should we be doing that ministry? Should we go back to this? Should we re-enlist that? What should we do? Maybe God is not calling us back to what we used to do as much as he's calling us back to who we used to love. And there's something about this. These guys didn't have it wrong. They didn't have the wrong books on the shelf. They didn't have the wrong preachers in the pulpit. They, he wasn't criticizing them because they weren't generous givers or faithful servants or patient endurers or overcomers. He says, you know what? If you were to put together a to-do list, if you were to put together a list like you would do for a child, you know what? You tick every box. You are amazing. This church is absolutely dutiful and faithful but I, I know your heart, he's saying, and it's just got a little calloused. It's gotten a little hard, and, and it's just not very loving. As a matter of fact, he's saying the result is you've fallen from where you started. When you started, there was a lot of love in your church, love for each other, love for the leaders, love for the lost, love for the Lord. And, and it's not that they hate and despise. They're just slipped from being loving, being kind, being gracious, being understanding. It was just a gradual decline, you see. It can be any one of us. We're not heretics. You're not a false teacher. You haven't walked away from God. You're, you haven't stopped giving and serving and loving and trying. And, and, and But maybe if you were to put the thermometer in this morning, you would realize there's been a little decrease in love. I see this in marriage, marriages over the years. People fall in love. 
which is right and proper. And then they, they get married, and then they make love, and then kids come along, and, 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 and then their kids, they invest in their kids, and their kids grow up, and when their kids grow up, then they think, maybe I should go back and do another degree and do another one, and then you end up with seven degrees and seven kids, and you don't actually know what all the degrees are for, and, 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 and you're just working so hard at actually providing for your family, working hard to make your family, you forget to be a family. And, and the thing is, sometimes the busyness happens and you don't even notice when the love checked out. Just don't notice when it's checked. Remember how it started? I remember when I started to date Laurie and um, we, we would phone each other some nights and usually on a Sunday night, maybe we'd climb into our beds and we'd phone each other and we'd be on the phone for a couple of hours. Remember when conversation was the thing of the day and not a text? Some of, you, some of you did that with a phone with a cable on it, didn't you? Some of you did that with a phone with a lead on it and you, and you talked for hours. And remember those days? And remember, remember the, the first argument? I remember one of our first arguments. One of our first arguments was you hang up. No, no, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, I'm not hanging up to you hang up. And... and, and Here's the thing, don't make the mistake of losing one another in the busyness of making family and not being a family. That's just a word of caution. How did you not notice when Princess Anne left the room? A room that was all about Princess Anne. How come you missed her when she left? I'm going to give you a couple of ways that I think it's possible for us maybe to become a bit like the church at Ephesus. Five things. You always know they're there, don't you? Has to be points. Um, so, uh, truth versus love. I think uh, we can become like the Ephesians if we put truth and love against each other. It says that Jesus came and he was full of grace and truth. It wasn't one or the other. All right, some of you are grace people. You're love people. Your answer to everything is nice. You love, you patiently endure. Some of you are truth people. The Bible to you is like a series of bullets called verses. And there's always one in the chamber waiting to shoot somebody. And the problem with that is it can totally decimate a person. And I want to say the truth must be communicated from someone who is loving. Has to be. The Ephesians had, I think, had elevated truth and devalued love. And Jesus is saying here, basically, you need to say the right thing at the right time, in the right way, with the right motive. The second thing I think that um, we can slip into um, the Ephesus mindset is doctrine versus the Holy Spirit. Now, we become like the Ephesians when we, when we listen only to our doctrines and stop listening to the Holy Spirit. Now, what can happen is when you read the Bible so long, and I love the Bible, so uh, when you read it so long and you read all the books and you're under so much teaching and education and that all of a sudden you've got the, all your questions answered. This happened to me at 33. I had all my questions answered. I had all my verses and categories. I could tell you what was going to happen in end times. I had it all worked out. And then, boom, one day on the top of an old powder tank in the docks, the Holy Spirit touched me, baptized me with the love of God, and totally racked my theology, racked all my doctrine. It wasn't fair, but he did it. And uh, you need to listen to the Holy Spirit. And if we don't listen to the Holy Spirit, 
it ends up that you just have a theology that directs your steps. And if you just have a theology, and I'm not saying that the doctrinal distinctives and the- theological clarity are not important, but we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Paul writes this, and he says, those who are led by the Holy, Star- Holy Spirit are the sons and daughters of God. <clears throat> so it's really important that we listen, that we listen to the Holy Spirit. We need to remain teachable. And that's why one of the things that he says to the seven churches is, he that is a near to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. All right, there are certain theologies around at the moment. You know this. There's one called cessationism, and the cessationists, they essentially say that the Holy Spirit doesn't operate today like he once did. And uh, it's a clever way of saying we don't need him anymore. And uh, it's not true. It's just not true. We need him every moment of every day, and every Christian always has, and we need him to lead us, and to guide us, and to convict us, and to instruct us. And one of the ways that we can become like the church at Ephesus is that we get so consumed by our studies and our systematics that we forget that Jesus is alive. Third thing I would say is that what happened in the church at Ephesus, it seems like annoyance versus mission, I've called this. We become like the, the ministry becomes a knowing to us instead of a mission for us. The self-righteousness and idolatry and insanity and stupidity, it's annoying. Jesus, it frustrates me. These people are silly. Jesus says, love them. Love them. You say, how do I do that? Well, I've discovered that the love of God needs to come to you and through you. Tara prayed that as we started this morning. May God work through us and to us. Humility says, God loving me, even though I'm annoying and I'm going to love others. And that's the demonstration of the gospel. And we know that we've lost sight of the gospel when we've contempt instead of compassion. And I think that's what happened. These people have been faithful so long that they'd lost sight of the true mission. Fourth thing, really quickly, is this. Um, repentance versus religion. This is a dangerous one. I think that the, the Ephesians, we can get like this. It's called classic religion, all right? When we tell people to repent, but we don't. Hmm. We tell them what's wrong in their life, and we stop examining our own life. We uh, get proud and haughty and self-righteous and judgmental and critical and just downright hard. And uh, I see this in my own life. And I, I hate that. Where sometimes I'm quick at calling something out of somebody else and saying, oh, Phil, you need to deal with that in your own life. And the last thing I would say about this is that Jesus becomes more of a concept than a person. We become like the church at Ephesus um, when people become more of a concept than a person. Let me say this now. I love the Bible. I've been studying it a lifetime. I'm okay with books. I'm not the best reader in the world. just love my Bible. I love to study. I love to think. I love to contemplate. Um, But you know what can happen is over time, Jesus can become more uh, one who we just study more of a concept than a person. He's more like a, a philosophical instruction or construction or a historical figure or, or a moral example, and he fails to be the living Lord. And um, you don't really talk to him like you used to talk to him, like in a childlike way. 
And sometimes you just don't get any silence and solitude anymore to be alone with him. You don't invite his presence. You don't enjoy his presence. And sometimes we just have theologies that actually justify this. And you need to be careful because here's the thing. Sometimes the people who know the most about Jesus know Jesus the least. And they can tell you all the facts. It's more like someone who's quoting a book they read than a friend they made. And, and, and so John's saying to this church, and I'm saying to you this morning, what about the love? What about the love? Have you, have you checked lately that it's still in the room? Have you checked lately that it's still in your heart? What about the love? Has it checked out long ago? And it's just going through the, the duty and going through the thing. And I love this. I love what... Because the thing about this, sometimes it's just a gradual decline. Suddenlies don't just happen. Suddenlies usually happen after a major or, or a gradual decline. You'll find a, a couple who, who, who maybe separate. When you look back, you'll find there was a gradual decline. You'll find people who fall away from Jesus. When you look back, you'll see a gradual decline. And I love how he ends this letter to the church at Ephesus and he ends it with an invitation and he said you could fix this in just three hours <laughs> just three hours remember look how far you've fallen you can't fix it if you're not prepared to acknowledge it so he says remember what it was like at first remember what it was like when you were dating Remember what it was like when you put the investment and the time into it. And then the second thing he says is you need to repent. You need to just tell Jesus you're sorry. You just need to say you love him and you want to get back to where you were. And then he says you need to return. You need to return. You just need to get back to where you were. I remember years ago hearing a story of four guys who were um, in America who lived, let me get this right now, who lived on the West Coast and studied on the East Coast. And apparently it's about a 30-hour drive. If you're to drive it, it's about 30 hours driving from the East Coast to the West Coast. These guys lived in the West Coast, lived in California, studied on the East Coast. And what they did was they bought this old banger of a car, four of them, and at the end of every semester or when there was a holiday, they would just drive back home. And they would drive right through the night they were just taking turns and they would do the 30 hours flat out and the only thing they would stop for a loose stop or for fuel and um and they would they would all sleep you know the guy would drive everybody would sleep and then he would drive for two or three hours then he'd waken his buddy and he would go to sleep and he would drive and and i, I remember a pastor telling this story he says that these four guys are they're driving back home they're they're driving back home to to the west coast and the guy who's driving, it's the middle of the night, three o'clock in the morning, car starts to get low on fuel, he can't find a filling station. And he's looking and looking for a filling station, can't see a filling station. And eventually he sees one on the other side of the highway. And so he, 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 he goes across the highway and goes to the filling station on the far side of the highway. Fills with fuel, wakens one of his buddies and, and says, your turn, your turn to drive. And he jumps into the back and he goes to sleep and the other guy gets in, doesn't realize that he's on the other side of the highway and starts to drive. And he's driving for an hour and he keeps seeing signs and he thinks, that's funny. 
That's, that's like the wrong sign. But he drives on. And after about two and a half hours of driving, something significant happens. The sun starts to rise. And all of a sudden, the sun comes up and he realizes, I'm driving east. I should be driving west. And he pulls in and he wakens his buddy. He says, guys, the sun's in front of us. And guy, oh, Mate, I am so sorry. He said, I, I, I couldn't find a film station pulled across the, the freeway to the other side. I forgot to tell you. Here's the thing. He was driving the wrong way for maybe two and a half hours and he ignored all the signs, but he couldn't ignore the sun. And sometimes when you're going the wrong way, you can ignore all the signs. But you can't ignore the sun. And if you get that quick, we'll get home now. Because the thing is, there's something happening here. Look how he finishes. He says this, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. Listen, listen. Church, we are going back. Not to what is familiar, but what we did is first. It's good news, not old pews. That's what he wants us to go back to. Good news, something powerful. And so what we're going to do right now, we're going to take a moment or two and we're going to pray that. And I would love you to pray if you need to go back to the three hours and just remember. Just, it might be a physical thing for you this morning. Maybe, maybe in, even in your relationship with your spouse sitting beside you, it might be something like that. Maybe it's a spiritual thing. I hope it is this morning. You just remember what it was like at first. Remember when that fire was in your belly and that passion was in your eyes and you wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. But where, where has that gone? You just need to repent this morning and you need to return and you need to realize you need to get your eyes on the sun. And when you get your eyes on the sun, he fixes it all. So God, I pray this morning I pray, God, that day. And if you're watching online this morning, I want to say to you to return. Maybe you're a prodigal this morning. Maybe you're watching online on Facebook and you're saying, I, Phil, I, 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 I need to do that. Well, this morning, I'm, I'm calling you out this morning. I'm calling you out to remember, to repent, and to return. And maybe if you're watching on Facebook this morning or on live stream, but maybe on Facebook this morning and you're saying, well, Phil, I'm not dead sure I can return because I don't think I've ever been there. Well, what I'd say to you this morning is you need to come to the place that you were actually created to be. This is the place and the person that you were created to be. And for that this morning, it might be just the first time that you would say, God, I, I need you. The Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved and, and there's something about calling on his name, saying, God, I'm a sinner. I realize that this morning. And I realize that Jesus died for my sin. And this morning, I want to put my trust and my all in the living God. And I want to return to what I was created to be, a son, a daughter of God. If that's you this morning, here's what I'd love you to do if you're watching online. 
I'd love you just to, if you would like us to private message you this morning, I'd love you just to type yes. Just that, yes, I'm accepting this this morning. And if you type that in, we will, we will respond to that personally. All right, so all you need to do is just type in yes. And we will personally return to you with people, pastors, prayer ministry that would love to talk to you this morning. But Father, for the people in the room, I just pray for the love that has grown cold and for all the practicalities and busyness and stuff that just floods our lives and takes us away from the things we did at first. God, may this be a morning that we remember. May this be a morning that we repent. And may this be a morning that we return. That we come back. Say, God, we love you. We exalt you. Come and fill my soul afresh. For some of you in the room, that's about as much silence and solitude as you've had all week. It's good, isn't it? Silence and solitude's good. Inviting the presence of the Holy Spirit just to come, tuning your ear to listen, hear his voice, getting a journal, and writing down exactly what he says. So, shh, listen, listen. Take time out this week to listen. In Jesus' name, may the Lord bless you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.